Hey there, Sports History fan. Arnie Chapman here from the Sports History Network. Now, before you jump into this episode, I wanted to share with you an exciting giveaway we have going on with Homefield Apparel. We have a digital $50 gift card to homefieldapparel.com for one lucky fan of the Sports History Network. All you got to do is head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways to sign up. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash giveaways. This is Basketball History 101 with Rick Loiza. Welcome back to Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network. I am your host, Rick Loiza, and this is the podcast where we bring to life some of the forgotten stories from basketball history. And today, we are going to share the story of the real-life Hoosiers. If you are familiar with the movie Hoosiers, then you know that it is about a small rural Indiana high school which goes on to win the coveted state championship over a much larger school. It was a basketball version of a David and Goliath story. Coach Norman Dale and the sharpshooter Jimmy Chitwood lead fictitious Hickory High School to the kind of success that a school of their size had never seen before. By the way, it is one of my favorite movies. I still coach youth basketball for my kids, and I watch that movie in the days just prior to the first practice each year. I just love it. It always gets me fired up to coach another season of this awesome game. Also, spoiler alert, I will be giving away the key plot points of the movie to illustrate the story. In fact, I've already given away one of them. But, the movie is 35 years old, so if you have not seen it by now, then I'm sorry, but go ahead and check it out when you get a chance. It really is a great movie. Well, that movie is loosely based on a real-life story of Little Milan High School from Milan, Indiana, which went on to win the Indiana State Championship in 1954 over much stronger Muncie Central High School. It really was the stuff of legends. By the way, Milan is spelled M-I-L-A-N, and it looks like it should be pronounced Milan, as in Milan, Italy. But in Indiana, they pronounce it Milan. Anyway, Milan High School only had 167 students in the entire school, and only 84 of them were boys. That is a very small pool from which to make a basketball team. On the other hand, Muncie Central was a big school with over 1,000 boys to choose from to make a basketball team. But let us go ahead and put some context around how Indiana determines its state champion each year. The state held its very first tournament in 1911 with only 12 high schools participating. The whole tournament was held in Bloomington, Indiana on the campus of Indiana University over a single weekend. The team from Walton, Indiana had only a dozen fans show up to watch them. There was another team from Clinton, Indiana, and they had to be told that bouncing the ball off the walls or the ceiling was not allowed. When I found that out, I thought, what kind of basketball were they playing in Clinton, Indiana? But each year, more and more high schools started participating in the state championship tournament. In 1921, only 10 years after the tournament started, they had 394 schools participating. By 1927, they had 731 schools participating. Of course, you could not play that many games in one place over a single weekend. 
By that point, they had sectional and regional tournaments all over the state over a series of several weeks that narrowed the field down to the eight schools that would travel to the capital of Indianapolis to crown a champion each year. Back then, unlike most states around the country, Indiana puts every single high school, big or small, into one division for determining the state champion. At the time, there were 751 high schools in the state, and only one of them would be crowned champion each year. In most states, they divide their schools into multiple divisions. Typically, there is a division for the large city schools, perhaps a division for the medium-sized schools from the suburbs, and a third division for the small schools often found in rural areas. Some states take this a bit further and divide their high schools into as many as five or six divisions based on school size and each division determines a state champion. So, you could have as many as six state champions, one from each of the different divisions. But not in Indiana. There was just one division and everybody was in it. This gave small rural high schools like Milan virtually no chance to ever win the state championship. The big schools simply had a larger pool of students to draw from and to form a basketball team. The sheer numbers gave a heavy advantage to the large city schools. So this is actually a good place to take a break, and I'm going to come right back with the story of Milan High School in that actual 1954 tournament. We'll be right back after this. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Welcome back to the show, and let me pick up where I left off in talking about Milan High School going to that 1954 state tournament. In the movie Hoosiers, that's based on this story, the team comes from nowhere to win the state title, but the real Milan team was actually a very good team. They lost in the state semifinals in 1953 to eventual champion South Bend Central High School. So the fact that they won it in 1954 was not a huge surprise. They proved that they were a team to be reckoned with. And the players were not awestruck when they arrived in Indianapolis for the state tournament. They had been there the year before. For them, it was a trip to complete some unfinished business. And I will give the movie credit. They filmed the scenes for the final game at Hinkle Field House on the campus of Butler University in Indianapolis, where the real-life game was played back in 1954. The field house sat 15,000 people for a basketball game, and tickets sold out every single year. Further, their coach was not an old guy like Coach Dale looking for a second chance to coach. The real coach was Marvin Wood, and he was only about 25 years old. He had played college basketball for Butler University in Indianapolis, and he was still young enough that he would often join in on the scrimmages during practice sessions. The team loved having him play with them, and he was not a screamer. He was a mild-mannered coach and rarely raised his voice to the players. Now, the one thing he did do in real life that is captured in the movie was that his first move when taking over the team was to ban the townspeople from attending practice. His practices were closed, and it annoyed the town of Milan just as much as it did the town of Hickory in the movie. His first year at Milan was in 1953 when they made it to that state semifinal. The school board decided that Coach Wood was worth keeping around. A player by the name of Bobby Plump was the real Jimmy Chitwood. Plump was the leading scorer and a reliable shooter. If they needed a basket in a clutch situation, the team looked to Plump to take that shot. But unlike the movie counterpart, Plump did not sit out the first half of the season. 
He was a returning player and had always been part of the team. As Milan went through another strong season in 1954, they found themselves in the state tournament again, but this time they had their sights on winning the whole thing. They did not want to go home disappointed like they did the year before. The town of Milan only had 1,200 people back then, and practically the whole town traveled to Indianapolis for that championship game. Back then, it was about a two-hour drive from the little town of Milan to Indianapolis, the capital of the state and the state's largest city. The nearby town of Batesville sent over a fire engine with firefighters to Milan so that the Milan firefighters could attend the game without having to worry about the town. Another nearby town of Madison sent over a couple of police officers to patrol the town so that the entire Milan police force could also attend the game. Almost the only person left in town was the postmaster, Russell Hunter, who said that he did not deserve to go to the game since he had failed to attend all of their regular season games. So he stayed back and listened to the game on the radio. In real life, the game was tied just like in the movie, except the score was different. In the movie, the game was tied at 40 apiece when Jimmy Chitwood hits that final shot. In real life, the game was tied at 30 all when Plump gets the ball. And another thing that the movie got right was that final shot. They played it almost exactly the way it happened in real life. Plump had the ball near the bottom of the midcourt circle with one defender on him. They were going to go to an isolation play for Plump to take the last shot. He purposely runs the clock down because they did not want to leave any time for Muncie Central to win if they missed the shot. The worst case scenario is that they go to overtime since they were already tied. Plump waited until the clock was down to about 5 seconds and then he went into his move. He dribbled to his left, then crossed over back to his right to get some separation from his defender. And then he rose up to take a 12-foot jump shot for the win, just like Jimmy Chitwood did in the movie. In real life, there was about one second on the clock, so Muncie Central took a desperation heave that was nowhere near the basket. In the movie, there was no time left at all. And in the movie, Hickory defeats South Bend Central, the team that actually knocked Milan out the year before in 1953. Now that is what I call poetic justice. Just to make it convenient, I have put a link in the show description that takes you to the YouTube video of the actual game from 1954 between Milan and Muncie Central, so check that out once you're done with this episode. In 1998, the state of Indiana decided to become like every other state and they divided their high schools into four divisions for the purposes of the state tournament. Schools like Milan are placed in the bottom division for small rural schools, while schools like Muncie Central are placed in the top division for larger schools. Unless the state of Indiana ever decides to change things back to the way they used to be, a story like Milan's will never happen again. Coach Wood left Milan after that championship season in 1954, having been at the school for only two years. He moved on to coach at larger high schools in larger cities. He also coached women's teams at the college level. Near the end of his life, he coached his granddaughter's team of 12-year-olds. Coach Wood passed away in 1999 of lymphoma at the age of 71. Bobby Plump, their superstar, won the title of Mr. Basketball in the state of Indiana. That award is given each year to the best player in the entire state. He then went on to play for Butler University, just like his coach did, and on the same court where he hit that game-winning shot. 
He then had a brief career playing for the Phillips 66ers out of Oklahoma. Upon retirement from basketball, he went into the insurance industry and settled for life in Indianapolis. He opened a sports bar and restaurant called Plump's Last Shot in Indianapolis. His son now runs the place. Both Plump and Coach Wood are enshrined in the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame. And the rest of the guys on the team are mostly still around and they still get together for group interviews and just to reminisce about that game. They are still considered heroes in the town of Milan. Well, that's it for today. That was a story of the real-life Hoosiers. Join us next week when we share the story of how the merger between the Basketball Association of America and the National Basketball League led to the creation of the NBA as we know it today. That's next time on Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com to find out more about this and other sports history podcasts. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. Also, go ahead and give us a rating and a review, and that will help others to find this podcast more easily. And check out our page on Facebook. It's called Basketball History 101 Podcast. There, you will find shorter historical posts as well as Clement Ministries using his new platform to spread the good news. In 2003, he was enshrined into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame in the category of contributor for raising the popularity and awareness of the game of basketball around the world. And that was something that he did like few others ever have. Sadly, the world lost him on December 27, 2015 at the age of 83. No official cause of death was ever revealed publicly, but his contributions as a globetrotter made him a legend and he should be remembered as such. So that's it for today. That is a story of Metal Arc Lemon. Join us next week when we share the story of the highest scoring game in NBA history. Both teams scored in the 180s. That's next time on Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com to find out more about this and other sports history podcasts. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. And check out our page on Facebook. It's called Basketball History 101 Podcast. There you will find shorter historical posts as well as comments and discussion starters on today's game. I'll also announce there when new episodes come out. I want to thank my producer and editor, Jacob Loiza. Join us each week as we continue to mine the history of basketball for more great stories from the past. Take care and see you soon. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. This is Mark Mortier, and if you're a sports history fan like me, tune in and hear me talk about some great sports moments of the past. Growing up during the 1970s, I got to watch some of the most iconic moments in sports history. Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. Willis Reed limping out of the locker room in Game 7 of the NBA Finals at Madison Square Garden as the fans erupted with a thunderous ovation. The 1980 Miracle on Ice as Team USA defeated the powerful Soviet Union in the Olympics. Listen every Tuesday on Yesterday's Sports.
How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.